You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the early 1960s, especially in the South, places like Texas, football programs were still pretty segregated. And a lot of that was because the big football universities like UT, Baylor, Texas A&M didn't allow black students to enroll in the first place, let alone join the football team. And at the high school level, a lot of the high schools were still segregated as well. That movement didn't really gain any traction until later in the decade, as I'm sure you well know. So if you came of age during this period of time in Texas and you were black, you grew up playing against other black players. And if you had any aspirations of going pro, you had to turn your eyes northward and catch the eye of the odd northern school scout that came through your school looking for diamonds in the rough. One of those staffs was Michigan State. Their head coach was a guy by the name of Duffy Doherty. For that day and age, Doherty was taking quite the risk culturally to go to the South and find black players for an integrated college football team. And the barriers that that broke had a profound impact on the Vikings, Michigan State, and football in general. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, whatever you like, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And before we get into the main topic of today, we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins and extension and contract and kind of go over that whole situation, and I'm going to kind of plant my flag in the ground on where I stand on that. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the Viking of the day, and it's one I'm pretty excited about, because it's Black History Month, and there's no better time to take a look back at people who played for our favorite football team who also had an impact in the civil rights movement. So today's Viking of the day is Gene Washington. Washington was a first-round draft pick for the Vikings in 1967. He played with the Vikings all the way through 1972, played a couple years with the Broncos before retiring, and his very presence in the NFL, and especially at Michigan State and in college, in most of the impactful part of his story actually takes place before he comes to the Vikings, but the very act of getting to the Vikings, along with so many other teammates from Michigan State, is kind of where his story lies. So he grew up in the Port, Texas, which was a segregated community where he played with only other black players. Now, I personally, of course, I can't speak too deeply to the culture of that time for those people. I'm both too young and too white to really know what anybody went through. But it's no secret that in the Deep South, in Texas and Alabama and Mississippi in the early 60s, the white leagues were seen as a lot more prestigious, and those were the ones that were going to get the exposure. If you had dreams of going pro, you weren't going to get in to Texas or Baylor or any of the big programs. You were just going to have to hope that somebody who allowed black students to enroll in their college was going to find you and give you a scholarship. And for Washington, that's where Duffy Doherty comes in. He was trying to build a better program at Michigan State, and he was one of the first college coaches, and Michigan State was one of the groundbreaking college programs that started to integrate more and more black athletes 
into their program. Gene Washington was one of these guys, and what they accomplished there over in Michigan State with the Spartans was really, really important. There's a documentary that Gene Washington's daughter Maya made about her dad's journey and that 1966 Michigan Spartans team culminating in one of the greatest football games ever played Michigan State versus Notre Dame in 1966. They ended it in a 10 to 10 tie and Michigan State ended up being declared the national champion, though of course accounts are disputed. But to understand this, you have to understand that in that time, black athletes were seen as inferior as black anythings. And so the idea that you could put black athletes on your football team and it could make them better was something that American culture wasn't really ready for. And that was uh, something that had to be forged ahead in the face of a lot of resistance. And that's what makes people like Gene Washington and Duffy Doherty and everybody on those Michigan State, State teams, that's what makes them heroes, in American culture. They weren't supposed to be rated number one or number two in the country. They weren't supposed to win a national championship. They weren't supposed to go undefeated. They weren't supposed to beat number nine ranked Purdue by 21 points. People thought Doherty was crazy for believing in guys like Gene Washington, but Washington paid it off. In the ensuing NFL draft, the 1967 NFL draft, Michigan State had four players taken in the top eight. Imagine something like that happening today with a team like Ohio State. You could get a sense for just how dominant that Michigan State team was. They didn't even end up playing in a bowl game because of a quirk of Big Ten rules at the time that no Big Ten team could play in a bowl outside of the Rose Bowl, but they also couldn't play in the Rose Bowl in back-to-back years. So Michigan State was just left, who had played a Rose Bowl in the previous year, they were left with no bowl game, and that was how things ended in college for Gene Washington. He ended up joining the Vikings in 67, playing with the Purple People Eaters and Fran Tarkenton and all of the beloved 1970s Vikings that you know and love, and and Gene Washington was a part of that group. There's a a deep power to a team with guys like him and, and Alan Page on it going to Super Bowls and being dominant and playing that 1960s, 1970s hard nosed football. I will uh, leave a a link to donate to Maya Washington's documentary. Uh, They currently don't have a way to watch it unless you actually booked uh, like a private screening of it, which is also on that website if you happen to want to. Otherwise, they hopefully will eventually find a way to, you know, either post it or send DVDs or find a way to distribute it uh, a different way. So for now, I'll just leave a link to donate to that project and hopefully spur that kind of development along. Changing gears, I'm going to spend the rest of the show talking about Kirk Cousins and his contract situation and an extension. There's a lot of different moving parts to this. It's a deeper question than, you know, hey, did Kirk Cousins earn more years on his contract? It's never really that kind of question. I mean, there's always an evaluative component to it, right? Is Kirk Cousins good enough for you to want him to be your quarterback, you know, for more years? That's a obviously going to be part of the question. But there's also a question of salary cap management. There's a question of the timeline. When do you sign the Kirk Cousins extension and how long do you wait 
for you to have, you know, information on other players. There's a lot going on here, including opportunity cost. What are you missing out on? What are you passing up on? And parsing that out is what we're going to do for the rest of the show. But first, I want to talk to you about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its kind. It has all the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know what you're getting into here, but it's a chewable. So that means that it kicks in twice as fast. So when the moment's right, that's that much less waiting around. And hey, this isn't just for like men of a certain age who can't perform the way that they used to in their prime. This is for anybody who is looking to engage in a little bit of self-improvement for the sake of their partner. And who can say no to that? They deserve it. It's made right here in the United States, and it ships nice and discreetly to your front door, so you don't have to go to the pharmacy or wait in line or deal with any of those extra added overhead fees. And skipping all of that saves you a buck, too. So head on over to BlueChew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com right now. And if you enter promo code Locked On at checkout, they'll let you try it out for free. So no excuses. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. All right, so on Monday's show, if you missed that, go uh, check it out. But on Monday's show, we talked to Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus about the QB Annual. It's a quarterback publication that Pro Football Focus puts out. And we really tried to capture the story of Kirk Cousins. And really what we came up with was Kirk Cousins was helped out a lot by his scheme and was still good even after you adjust for that. And you really got a story of, wow, the scheme was really good for him, and also, he did things very well. There are multiple accounts of Kirk Cousins being the best rollout quarterback in the league, and Gary Kubiak, his offensive coordinator, is going to call a lot of those. And in terms of making this plan, in terms of this contract thing, we can probably treat Gary Kubiak as a solid fixture that isn't going to be gone in a year. He, We, we all know he's not going to take a head coaching job, and I think teams understand to not even ask him. And hey, if things go really wrong and he gets fired, well, I think all of this conversation is going to be moot anyways, because the Vikings are probably going to get blown up from the core. So the only scenario where these sorts of decisions matter is the one where Gary Kubiak is the offensive coordinator for multiple years here to come, and that's a situation that favors Kirk Cousins, and that's a scheme that we saw, data represented it, and the eye test obviously represented it, was very good for Kirk Cousins. And on things that are more differentiating for quarterbacks, you know, clean pocket statistics, accuracy, just like raw accuracy at different levels of the field, different route concepts and stuff, you get a really, really optimistic picture of the 2019 that Kirk Cousins puts up. And that shouldn't be news to you if you've been following this show or the Viking season. Kirk Cousins was in MVP talks during October. He had a good year, and I don't think that's particularly disputable. And if you want more detail on that, again, go listen to the Monday show. But suffice it to say for this, Kirk Cousins did well in 2019. You can actually listen to, if you go way back, you can listen to the same version of that episode uh, from last year, I had Eric on. We did the same exercise talking about his 2018, far less optimistic. There were a lot of other problems that Kirk Cousins had in 2018, and the scheme didn't do him any favors. And so in regard to the first and kind of most crucial question to the do you extend Kirk Cousins exercise is, are those two years good enough for us to say, yeah, we want Kirk Cousins as our quarterback for the next however many years. And that's the first question. That should it should always be a merit thing first because if the answer to that question is man not really, let's just turn to the quarterback market and let's not screw with all of this, you know, maybe we extend him to save some cap space or any of that stuff. If you don't want him as your quarterback, you won't have him as your quarterback. Personally, I don't think the Vikings are going to go down that road. I, I I think they want him as their quarterback and I don't think they've been shy about that and I would actually be pretty shocked if they just like let Kirk Cousins walk at the end of his of of 2020. I think there will be some level of ex- 
extension here and it's just a matter of is it an extra two years to gather more info do they just go the full five and say you're retiring a viking that's going to be more of the question uh, and we'll get into the kind of reasoning behind those decisions later but for the time being i think his level of play does entice the vikings to extend him and I, here's the interesting question i have if you flipped his 2019 performance and his 2018 performance, if if 2018 was the year where the Vikings snuck in on a wild card, won an improbable playoff game, and Kirk Cousins was in MVP talks for a month, and that happened in 2018, and then in 2019 you saw this big letdown where he like checked down way too much, and he took the first read too much, and he couldn't find Stefan Diggs at all. I mean that was a, an issue in both years, but it was more prominent in 2018. And if that if we were just coming off of that, and they went eight and eight and they missed the playoffs. Personally, I think every Vikings media member is looking up which quarterbacks should be drafted or should the Vikings go after Jameis Winston in free agency and all kinds of other questions like that. And that's not changing anything about his performance except for flipping the two years around and, and making the bad one the more recent one. So I, I do think that that would change things and probably they would change things too much. That would be an overcorrection toward the negative. I think the aggregate of it makes him somebody that I'm really on the fence about and somebody that I think you can improve on. And if you tried to, I, I wouldn't blame you, even if that meant a uh, a redundant use of resources. But I suspect the Vikings disagree with me there. So let's take their opinion on it and move forward. That they want Kirk Cousins to be their quarterback and they are, you know, willing to to marry their franchise to Kirk Cousins for more years than just 2020. They don't want to play it on a contract year. Personally, I want him playing on a contract year. My personal opinion is that I, I want to see another year of Kirk Cousins before we make that extension decision. I don't think he's going to get any like significantly more or less expensive if you do it this year versus next year. I think we all know who Kirk Cousins is. We know what he's capable of. And unless he goes and has an MVP season, you know, then he gets more expensive. And honestly, in that scenario, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm okay with risking that particular inefficiency in favor of gathering more information and also not being locked into Kirk Cousins during a quarterback market that could get pretty interesting because there's a lot of interesting free agent options going around. The Cowboys might screw this up with Dak Prescott. Jameis Winston might hit the market. Philip Rivers is going to hit the market. We don't know what's going to happen with the entire Saints quarterback room. And while I highly doubt the Vikings will be in the free agent quarterback market, that would be kind of nuts with their cap situation, other teams that maybe would otherwise draft quarterbacks will. What if the Dolphins just sign Jameis Winston and suddenly they're off the QB market? They might not be off the QB market because they signed Jameis Winston, but what if they went and signed Teddy Bridgewater and said, you're going to be our starter? Or what if they went and signed Drew Brees and said, we'll get try to get a quarterback next year? There is a, a real chance that somebody on the quarterback market, you know, if, if, if the Titans re-sign Ryan Tannehill or if the Cowboys re-sign Dak Prescott or whichever team, you know, those guys ends up, end up with, they're going to be a lot more dissuaded from going for a quarterback. And that means that the, the quarterbacks in the draft are going to be a little bit more open. And that raises the chance that somebody falls to 25 where the Vikings draft. So I kind of want to be in a situation to take advantage of that if it happens. I don't want to rely on it. But I do want to leave myself flexible, and flexibility is a huge thing for Rick Spielman and especially Rob Brzezinski, the way that he puts uh, salary caps and, and, and contracts together. I want to have the flexibility to jump on that opportunity if it happens. I don't want to be married to it. 
I don't want to be in a situation where I need a quarterback and I need one now. And if I don't, the whole season is shot. That's a risk that's unnecessary. But I want to be able to attack the draft that comes to me rather than, you know, pass up an opportunity because, yeah, well, but we have Kirk Cousins and we're locked into him for three years. So I like, I don't know if, you know, Tua falls to me if I'm going to take him. I don't want to be in that situation. And I think as unlikely as those situations are, I do think that they're likely enough to at least play around if it's otherwise costless. But I'm sure a handful of you disagree with me and you want to know what a con- what a Kirk Cousins extension would look like if they did do it. And that's completely fair. And I'm going to get into that right after this. Okay, so say you disagree with me and you unequivocally want to extend Kirk Cousins, a defensible position to be sure. And say you also disagree with me and say you don't want to wait until 2020. You don't want Kirk Cousins playing on a contract year. All right, sure, that's valid. So when do you do it? Well, here's the question, and I think this is where it gets the most interesting, is the timeline of things. Because if you wanted to extend Kirk Cousins based off just merit, then you're extending him in the same window as you're extending, say, Dalvin Cook, in the same window that you extended Stefan Diggs a couple years ago, and Adam Thielen last year. The Vikings typically do that in the training camp of a player's contract year. So it might look all offseason like Kirk Cousins is playing in a contract year, and then he'll get his extension in training camp. That's a super likely scenario, and it's actually the one that I kind of favor the most if you're going to extend him, because then you don't get the awkwardness of, of a contract year thing, although I actually think that could work out in Kirk Cousins' favor, but you still get all the information of the offseason playing out, and you get to see what happened in the draft. You get to make sure that no crazy quarterback situations fall to you, and you don't end up doing something like passing up on Lamar Jackson or passing on, you know, the next Patrick Mahomes or something because you just extended your quarterback. You can kind of save yourself from all of those nightmare scenarios, but still get the extension done. You just do it in August when nothing else is really, or, or, you know, late July when nothing else is really going on. And there's no reason that the extension has to be done before that. It's not like Kirk Cousins is going to slack off on his April workouts unless he has, you know, his extension in. And further, that would be the kind of extension that doesn't really change anything about Cousins' cap hit. He'd still probably make the, uh, the $29.5 million that he's making in 2020, and you would just add years onto that, probably at something a little bigger, since the salary cap has gone up and will continue to go up. And there might be some information about what the CBA is going to look like. My personal guess, and for the purposes of all of the salary cap and free agency uh, mocking and forecasting that I'm going to do, I am going to assume that the new CBA isn't going to drastically change the way the salary cap is behaving right now. I'm going to still project that it is going to go up incrementally year by year, and that it'll largely work the same. Obviously, you know, who knows, everything could totally get tipped up topsy-turvy, but for our purposes, it's easiest to just imagine that it's going to stay, you know, roughly the same. And so with the the salary cap still going up every year, you're probably going to have to pay him something like 33, 34, maybe even 35 million a year for as many years as you want to extend him. And of course, that's a really big burden on the salary cap with other things going on in that salary cap that makes things kind of difficult. It makes it more difficult to hang on to other veteran players, although the Vikings might not want to hang on to those veteran players in the first place. You might not want to keep Xavier Rhodes and pay him, you know, the $13 million cap hit. You can save eight of that by cutting him. And for a lot of people, that's something that they would do anyways before even considering the cap hit that you would be relieving. So fitting that Kirk Cousins cap hit under the cap might be a little bit easier than you think if you structure all the other contracts well and if you structure the Cousins contract well. Either way, that would be a much more optimistic 
message from the Vikings. If they waited until training camp, that's kind of a message that says, we just want him to be our quarterback. We're not trying to manipulate the cap. We're not trying to use his contract and, you know, kick a can down the road. We're not doing this thing out of desperation to try to get out of the, you know, the rock we put ourselves under when we signed him to the $84 million contract. No, we liked that deal and we want more of it. That's what that says. And if I had to guess, I think that's where the Vikings heads are at. I do think that they're happy with this arrangement and I think they want more of it. That's pure speculation on my part with just the messaging that they put out around Kirk Cousins and the way that they have kind of the the actions that they've taken, especially on the coaching staff and the way that they've treated Cousins. They're building around him. They think that that Kirk Cousins can take you to a Super Bowl. And I know there's lots of questions about whether or not. I think in the way he played in 2019 is absolutely at a high enough level. If you can win one playoff game, you can win many playoff games. If you can win in the regular season, you can win in the playoffs. I, I think that there is not so much of a barrier between those two things that we think there is as Vikings fans who watched Denny Green for a decade. And I think the Vikings fall on that side of the argument as well. I think they like this arrangement. And I, if I had to guess, if I had to put my money down on something, and I, I don't know very confidently, but if I had to guess, I would say they're going to do the July extension and you know it's going to be a nice, happy, shake hands and take a picture press conference in the summer. The other option here, though, is one that's maybe a little bit more prudent, and if you're the kind of person that wants to make a whole bunch of cap space without decimating the roster, then one option is to restructure Kirk Cousins' contract. And you might think to yourself, wait, 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 how do I do that? He's fully guaranteed. How can I get rid of any of that cap hit? And the answer is that it's not signing bonus. If his entire contract was a signing bonus, he would have gotten all $84 million up front, and the Vikings cap hit would be completely non-malleable. But it's all guaranteed base salary. So you can't get rid of it by cutting him. And of course, you can't trade him because there's a clause in his contract specifically saying that you can't do that. But you can restructure, and you can convert as much of that salary as you want into a signing bonus. And Kirk Cousins' contract is unique, so I'm not sure if it has the clause that everybody else has. But like uh, Brad from Over the Cap said to me uh, when we did the the show with him, and he mentioned that like most contracts have a clause that basically says that teams can convert salary into signing bonus kind of whenever they want, and the player has like pre-agreed to be okay with that. And there's no reason that a player would say no, because they get basically a huge cash advance on their paycheck, which is excellent for them, and the team gets to spread out just to the cap hit. But the actual physical exchange of cash favors the player when the team does that. So I'm sure Cousins would be more than happy to get one giant $29.5 million check, and the Vikings would prorate the cap hit of that out over the rest of the years of however many you would want to add to the contract. And you could make that deal tomorrow if you wanted to. So say they add three years to the life of the deal, then that $29.5 million, divide that by four, you get a $7 million and change cap hit for Cousins, and you can do whatever else you want with that Uh, extra money, and that would be a way to save cap space in 2020. The problem is you now have $7 million in change on the books for every year of the contract down the road, and you still have to deal with however much money is going to be paid to Kirk Cousins in those years. And that $7.5 million doesn't really count toward that negotiation because Kirk Cousins is uh, not getting that money in, you know, 2021 and 2022 and 2023 in this hypothetical contract extension. So you'd have to add a normal base salary, like what I said, if you know, say call it 32 million, you'd have a $39 million cap hit in the next three years. And that's going to be a lot harder to maneuver. You're kicking quite a lot of can down the road. So it's not the 
best option or the most efficient option to restructure a ton of Kirk Cousins' base salary or do his entire contract. Now, you can restructure as much as you want. This is not an all-or-nothing thing. You could restructure just four million of it if you wanted to, and you just save three million on the cap. You get a million in the next couple of years. You can totally deal with that, and you know you have an extension anyways, which you wanted to do, and you could totally do something like that. But like I've been kind of harping on this whole podcast, I don't really like that option because if you extend him right now to save extra cap space, so you can go into free agency or whatever. For one, you don't have to do that, right? Like I've been talking about, you have a lot of other contracts: Reef, Joseph. Rhodes, uh, Harrison Smith, there's a lot of unguaranteed salary on your books right now that you can either restructure, you can make some tough decisions and make some cuts, try to make some trades. There's a lot of options for how to deal with the cap situation that you're in. And locking yourself into Kirk Cousins before you see how this quarterback market shakes out would seem to me like a preemptive move. There's a really good chance that the and a better than average chance at, at, in terms of this offseason that the Vikings get a chance to get somebody who's better than Kirk Cousins, be that a rookie, be that somebody who would come along in free agency and you can maybe try to figure it out. That's unlikely, but it's at least worth having the option to take a look at. And if you decline it, you decline it, but it would be nice to have the option to decline it. And if you locked yourself into Kirk Cousins to have more cap flexibility, you lose quarterback flexibility. And I would much rather have quarterback flexibility than salary cap flexibility. If you can find salary cap elsewhere on your roster, and you definitely can, then you can just put off the Kirk Cousins extension till August. No harm, no foul. You can still do exactly what you wanted to do. You can reward him for his play in 2019 and hopefully put together a nucleus of a Kubiak, Cousins, and zone run kind of thing that is together for a while, and you can have a good, sustainable offense. For me, I'm looking elsewhere to find cap, and I'm waiting until at least August, if not at some point during the 2020 season, to make sure that 2019 wasn't some kind of flash-in-the-pan fluke. I don't really think it is, although I do think that the, you know, the flaws of Kirk Cousins didn't rear their ugly heads quite as much as they will every season, but I don't think it's as much of a lie as, like, Case Keenum was. But as with most things in football, there's no reason to rush this. I think patience is a virtue when it comes to extending Kirk Cousins or deciding if you're going to extend Kirk Cousins. It wasn't that long ago that the consensus number one quarterback in the league had a bad pro day because he didn't wear his gloves and fell all the way to the 32nd pick. This year's MVP fell all the way to the 32nd pick. I think waiting till after the draft to, to lock yourself into quarterback is a good option. And if you don't end up drafting any of the quarterbacks and you take a tackle instead and then you go extend Kirk Cousins in July... There's really no uh, no cost to doing that. The only cost is that you have to find salary cap elsewhere, and I think you absolutely can. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings. That's where I stand on a Kirk Cousins extension. Do it if you must, but don't do it right away. I know I mentioned at the end of yesterday's show that I was going to have a guest today. Uh, that had to be pushed to tomorrow, so hopefully we'll get that in. Uh, we'll get it in at some point, I promise. And then uh, next week, we've got something very special coming down the pipeline uh, in the NFC North. It's going to be very cool. So I am excited to give you all of that stuff. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. Show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast LockedOnVikings. I'll see y'all tomorrow, and as always, Skoll!